You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. Did you live life on mission this week? Yeah, I'm going to ask it again. Did you live life on mission this week? If you were here last weekend, you'll recall that we launched into a new teaching series. Uh, The title of the series is Live on Mission. And last week, as we stepped into that series, we, uh, we focused on rethinking the church. And the thought behind that was, is that we can't truly understand uh, fully what it means to live life on mission until we have a true understanding of the church. So with that, we affirmed that the church is not a building that we come to. So you did not come to church actually this morning. And that's because you, you came to a building, but you didn't come to church. And that's because we affirm that we are the church. The church is us. We are the church. The people consist of the church consists of people who are uh, um, representing Jesus Christ and participating with him in his redemptive plan for the world. We also affirm that um, it's not just the church is not just about experiencing Jesus. We do experience Jesus on a daily basis wherever we find ourselves. But as we're experiencing Jesus, we're also expressing him. And that's truly what our mission is, is that we would express Jesus wherever we go. So with that, let me ask again, how did we do as a church This weekend, were we successful as a church uh, this week on living life on mission? What kind of opportunities did we have? Uh, How did we represent Jesus as we carried his presence? Remember, we talked last weekend, if you were here, about we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so because of that, we carry the presence of God with us wherever we go. So were we successful in doing that this week? Were we successful in representing him well And I'm going to go ahead and conclude, you don't have to answer, whoops, that the answer is yes, uh, because we've had many opportunities before us, and I say that because I know about this people, that we are a people, we started off the year saying we want more, we want more of God, and so in our quest for more, as we're learning more and more about who he is and who is ways in his ways, we're finding greater desire in us to be those representatives as we move out into our spheres of influence. So we're going to continue to push down this morning on what it means to live life on mission, but I want to pray before we do. Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name, and Lord, the prayer today is uh, not by our own might, not by our own power, but by your spirit, may we understand your word. Uh, Holy Spirit, would you reveal to us through your word uh, really what it means, that we would have a greater understanding of what it means to live life on mission. Uh, We ask that because you will do that, that we would leave this place different today than when we came. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. Well, one of the realities of life is that life happens with the people that we hang out with on a consistent basis. Would you agree with that? Life happens with the people that we hang out with on a consistent basis. Actually, um, television throughout the decades has been a real testimony to this fact. So I'm going to take you down a stroll back through the decades, okay? Uh, In the 50s, The Cramdons and the Nortons spent most of their time, it seems like, hanging out together. The show was the Honeymooners. And then in the 60s, the Ricardos and the Mertzes. 
They were always together. It seemed like they spent all of their time together. They spent their time just hanging out together, doing life together. And then in the 70s, um, Gabe Cotter and a group called the Sweat Hogs. Welcome Back Cotter was the show. And they just hung out together. They did life together. And then in the 80s, um, television taught us that sometimes you want to go where... Everybody knows your name. (laughs) Sam Malone and the group at Cheers, they just hung out doing life together. They hung out at the bar all the time doing life together. And then in the 90s, there was a group of young adults in New York City, uh, spent a lot of time at a place called Central Perk. The show was friends. They just hung out together. They did life together. And then uh, in the um, mid-2000s, Michael Scott and the gang at Dunder Mifflin Paper Company. The show was what? The Office. They hung out together all the time. They hung out together at the office and they hung out together outside the office. They did life together. And then most currently, uh, the Pearson family. Hanging out, doing life together in This Is Us. Um, Let me ask you this morning. Who are you hanging out with? Who do you hang out with? Who do you do do life together with? Who are the people that you find yourself in the company of on a consistent basis, actually on a daily basis? Who are you hanging out with? You see, hanging out together... It's not just something that happens on television. For all of us, whether intentional or not, we find ourselves doing life together in the company of the people that we find ourselves in on a daily basis. Um, This is very important for us to understand. It's very connected to living life on mission. Think about it. We're going to live life on mission and we're hanging out with these people. We get to live out our mission in that group wherever we find ourselves. If you remember uh, last weekend, I said earlier, we focused on the fact that our mission uh, as a church has already been defined because of relationship with Jesus Christ. And that uh, mission is that we've been called to participate in God's redemptive plan for the world. Uh, We want to change the focus this morning uh, as we dig a little deeper and we want to move from looking at the church, we who make up the church, to how do we as individuals, as we're hanging out with people, how do we live out our mission? Um, Who are you hanging out with? That question has great significance because uh, to live on mission is to live with an understanding that our mission, our assignment involves Uh, the people that we hang out with on a daily basis. It's closely, it's actually intimately connected. Uh, Jesus modeled this for us. Jesus was a great model of this. Uh, When you look at the, particularly the last three years of Jesus' life, his ministry, we see that Jesus hung out with people. Yes, there were times where he drew in and he had solitude, but much of his ministry uh, uh, was uh, living out Um, uh, life with people. And as he was living life out with these people, you know what he was doing? He was performing miracles. Where does the miracles take place? Well, if you do a a, a study of Scripture, you find out that uh, maybe up to 90% of his miracles actually took place outside the temple. 
It wasn't about Jesus calling people to the temple on Sunday morning or whatever day it was, come and get your miracle. But as he was moving out, just hanging out with people wherever he was, he was doing miracles. Wherever he went, he was doing miracles. This is why this is so important for us to understand. Because we gather here on Sunday morning. And that's good. I like it that we gather together. I love what happens. But on Monday through Saturday, what happens? We scatter. We leave this place and we scatter out into our communities. We scatter out into our spheres of influence. And as we're scattering, we're living out. We're expressing Jesus wherever we go. And so we take our model from Jesus. What kind of people did Jesus hang out with? Well, he hung out with, um, he walked into the lives of sinners. He touched lepers. He associated with prostitutes. He dined with heathens. Jesus walked into the lives of sinners very purposely, and as he did, he revealed the love of God to them. That was his mission. That's how he lived out his assignment. And so for us, um, uh, it's very important that we, count, we take from his model. Let's look this morning. I want to just take, if you'll take your Bibles or your phones, ever how you get there. I want to look at a, just a few passages that show us the kind of people that Jesus hung out with. Uh, the first passage that we want to look at is in um, Mark chapter 2. I'm going to begin reading in verse 13. I'm going to give you just a second to get there. Mark chapter 2, verse 13. It says, once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come to call the right, not the righteous, but sinners. Jesus was not afraid to associate with sinful people because he understood their real need. He says, It's not the, it's not the healthy, it's not the righteous who need a doctor, but it's those who are sinners, those who are lost, those who are sick from their sin. And so he was willing to go out. Let's look at another passage. Let's look in Luke. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Luke seven thirty-six. Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, so he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table when a woman who had lived a sinful life in the town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume, and as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his tears. Uh, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them with, uh, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, "If this man were a prophet." He would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. So this time, Jesus is in a Pharisee's home. He's been invited to dinner, and this woman, this classified as a sinful woman, comes and wants to be there. Jesus could have said, no, uh-uh, 
I don't associate with that kind of people. But instead, she was invited in against probably the will of the Pharisee. She was invited in and he engaged with her. He associated with her. He was a friend to sinners. Let's look at one more passage. It's in Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. I have an advantage over you because I have them all marked in my Bible. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man could not because of the crowd. You may have a song going through your mind right now. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to to be a guest of a sinner. Once again, Jesus proves that he's a friend of sinner. And I I love this story because it really illustrates what we're talking about. Um, Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus. Jesus sees Zacchaeus and here's what he says. Zacchaeus, I want to hang out with you today. I want to do life with you today. I'm going to come to your house. So often we would say, you can't go there. In fact, that's what the people were saying. They were muttering because he went and had dinner at Zacchaeus' house, but not Jesus Jesus was not afraid to associate with sinners. And Jesus actually set the course for our mission because he wasn't afraid to hang out with sinners. The Pharisees, uh, he's a friend of sinners. And the reality is he was a friend of sinners. And it's because of this that we take our example, we take our model, and and we, we model our mission after the mission of Jesus Christ. We cannot be afraid to be the friend to sinners. As we think about our mission, we have to recognize that although as Christians um, we are no longer of this world, the truth of the matter is we are in the world, right? So when we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us that our citizenship changes. That's where we come up with we're no longer of this world. Our citizenship changes and we're citizens of the kingdom of heaven. So we're no longer of this world. But the truth of the matter is that we live in this world. And because we live in this world, we are going to encounter the same kind of people that Jesus did. There's no way around it. We're going to encounter the same kind of people. We have not been called to exclude ourselves from these people. But instead, we're to live among them and we're to do life with them. We don't exclude them. Now, here's the deal. In living and doing life with them, the goal is not that we become like them, but instead they become like the Jesus in us. In other words, here's what happens. Uh, we, we scatter. We go out into our communities. We do life the way we would do it as we represent Jesus and we express Jesus. And while we're out doing life, we happen to encounter all kinds of people. Many of those people will not have relationship with Jesus Christ. What's going to happen is they're going to be drawn to the Jesus in us if we will live out a lifestyle in Christ. And to do that, it means we have to understand who God is. We have to understand his ways. And we do that through our time, our commitment to to the Bible, learning what he says by the book that he's given us. And so what happens is that that's working out in us by the Holy Spirit. And we're doing life with people. Suddenly people begin to take notice. 
And as they take notice, they're drawn. But again, they're not drawn to us. They're drawn to the Jesus in us. They wonder, why are you different? Why when you go through a crisis, you have peace. And when I go through a crisis, my world falls apart. How do you handle this? What is different about you? And hopefully what will happen is that at some point, as you're living out Jesus... As you're expressing Jesus, people are drawn by the Holy Spirit to the Jesus in you, and they begin to ask you that question, what makes you so different? Several years ago, I had this experience happen. I was um, at the uh, Burkdale Fitness Center in Cornelius, which is now closed. Um, I, that was something I used to do. I don't do now. Um, I probably should. But um, as I was there one day, I was on uh, one of the pieces of equipment, uh, an elliptical, and um, I, I'm just doing my thing. I'm, I'm doing life. And this man walks past me. He stops and he comes back. And he says, I've been watching you. I had seen him at the gym on many occasions. He said, I've been watching you. And he said, there's something different about you. You are so peaceful. How can you have so much peace? You know what he was attracted to? He was attracted to the peace that passes all understanding that comes through Jesus Christ that was in me. It wasn't anything about me. To be honest, at that moment, I was sweaty. I didn't smell good. I didn't look good. But he was attracted to the Jesus in me. And because of that attraction to Jesus in me, and because of that question, I suddenly had the opportunity to share my Jesus story. And I did. And he said, well, I wasn't always this way. But then Jesus, and Jesus changed me. And he was very, he was very um, uh, amazed. He, he was very involved. And did I lead him to Christ that day? No, but I was able to plant a seed because he was attracted to the Jesus in me. So this is why it's so important. Life happens as we hang out with the people we encounter on a daily basis, wherever that might be. And because we're carrying the presence of Jesus, we're expressing Jesus, and people are drawn. That's how we live out our mission. That's exactly how it should happen. I want to take just a few minutes right now, and I want us to look at a passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you'll turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 or swipe there, ever how you might get there. I want us to look at this passage of Scripture uh, because it's going to help us push down a little deeper in what it means to live our life on mission, live a life that's expressing Jesus so people are drawn to us. And as we look at it, uh, after I read it to you, uh, there's, there's three insights that I find in this passage that answers three questions. And the questions are, uh, it gives us insight to who we are, it gives us insight to what we do, and it gives us insight to why we do it. So let me read this and then we'll talk. 2 Corinthians 5, beginning in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. 
We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become like the righteousness of God. What a, what a rich passage. So much insight there. So first, insight in who, who are we? Well, because of the mercy and grace of God, we've been reconciled through Jesus Christ and we've become a new creation. So who are we? We're reconciled and we're new creations. Before our hearts were inclined towards God, before we had relationship with Jesus Christ that reconciled us to God, uh, we remained in our sin and we were separated from God. And then uh, the Holy Spirit was at work in our hearts and we responded. And as we responded, Suddenly our hearts became inclined towards God. And then we made a confession of faith. We said, yes, by faith, I believe in the work of Jesus Christ that happened on the cross, his death and his resurrection. And at that moment, this is what happened. At that moment of belief, we were joined to God. We were reconciled to God. We were brought into the kingdom of heaven. We were brought into the family of God. We were adopted into that family at that very moment. We were no longer separated from God because of our sin, but our sin had been removed. The Bible teaches that the sin was removed as far as the east is from the west, that the blood of Jesus covered that sin and it washed it away. It no longer existed. So not only were we reconciled to God, but that's why we were new creations. That's why we became new creations, because our sin was no longer counted against us. And it's not just that we were mended. It's not like our hearts were mended, but we started all over. We started a brand new life in Christ. Is there anybody here besides me that likes a do-over? Raise your hand if you like a do-over. I love do-overs. I love it when I mess up and someone says, it's okay, we're going to, fresh start, just don't even think about, don't think about it. It's kind of hard not to think about that, but we're going to start over. When I was a kid, uh, we played marbles. Uh, My mom would not let us play marbles for keeps because she said that was gambling. (laughs) Nevertheless, we played marbles, and in our marble game, we had a rule that when you uh, did a shot, if you were quick, if you didn't like the shot, if you were quick enough, if you said do over really quick, you could pick your marble up and you could go again. I did a lot of do-overs. Here's the deal. Through Jesus Christ, we only have to do one do-over. We are new creations in Christ. Not only are we new creations, but we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. We are the new person. It's very important for us as we're talking about, as we're understanding what it means to live life on mission, because we have to say we're only able to live life on mission because we've been reconciled to God. Here's the next insight we see. It answers the question, what do we do? Every Christ follower has been reconciled to be a reconciler. We see that in verse 18. So what do we do? We reconcile. The passage of Scripture actually says that we've been called to the ministry of reconciliation. Remember last week... I've said this a couple of times already. We defined that because of relationship with Jesus Christ, our mission has already been defined. And that mission is that we participate in the redemptive, God's redemptive plan for the world. Here's what that really means. Here's, here's how you break that down. Our participation is as reconcilers. Because we've been reconciled as we scatter, as we go about 
we're reconciling to people, people to Jesus Christ through the life that we live. And again, it happens as we're hanging out with people. It happens as we're doing life together. Again, as we're doing life with people and Jesus is being expressed in us, something very naturally supernatural is happening. As we're doing life together, there's this kind of thing. If Cammie, thank God she does know Jesus, but if she did it, it would be this kind of thing. We're just doing life together and suddenly there's this thing that's happening where uh, the Holy Spirit is working in her and she's being drawn to God and she's being reconciled. And it happens in every area of life, no matter where we find ourselves, at work, at school, at home, wherever it is, we are reconcilers. We've been called to the ministry of reconciliation. That's what our ministry, that's what our assignment, that's what our mission really looks like, is that we, as we participate in God's redemptive plan for the world, we're redeeming people. We're helping people come into the redemption, the reconciliation, into the family of God. And we simply do it as we're living life together. It's really not all that hard. It should just be very simple. We just do it because it's who we are. It's because Jesus is always being expressed in us. Here's the third insight. Why do we do it? Every Christ follower is an ambassador representing Jesus. Why do we do it? Well, we do it because we've been reconciled, but maybe more importantly, we do it because we represent Jesus Christ. The scripture says that we are his ambassador. That's one of the earliest scriptures I remember uh, memorizing as a kid. We are ambassadors of Christ. What is an ambassador? An ambassador, simply put, is when one person is sent to represent another person or group. They represent our... Listen, we, we are his representatives. It's interesting because the Father sent Jesus as his representative to the earth, and now Jesus has sent us as his representatives. We go out on his behalf, and as we go, we're working the ministry of reconciliation. And again, it all happens while we're just simply hanging out with people. Maybe you say, this is too simple. This is too simple. It's not. This is the way it was planned to be. This is how Jesus did it. He just went about life. And as he lived his life and he encountered people, he did miracles. He helped them understand. He revealed the love of God. It's that simple for all of us. So um, let's do a little practical speaking just as we're getting ready to close. Uh, If our ministry, if our mission has been defined and it's to participate with God in his redemptive plan for the world, if we've or because we've been reconciled and because we've been called to the ministry of reconciliation, because we are his representatives, practically speaking, how do we live that out? I want to give you five things as I close. Our assignment is best accomplished when we're willing first to slow up. And I'll tell you a funny thing about this. If you look on your notes where the answers are, it says show up. And that was the original word that was used. And when I was studying this week, I actually changed it, but I didn't know I changed it. But I think it's a God thing. Here's why. We slow up as we're carrying out the ministry of reconciliation. And the reason we slow up is that we recognize we don't have to do it by ourselves, but instead we have the power of the Holy Spirit. So what we do is we slow our pace down as we're representing Jesus, as we're hanging out with people, and we invite the Holy Spirit to be part of every conversation in every situation. This is something that I've been trying to practice much over the past several months. 
is that when I find myself in a situation, when I find myself in a conversation, that I slow down and there's a conversation, a prayer that goes on in my head. And the prayer is this, Holy Spirit, I ask that you be the third person in this conversation. I ask that while this conversation is going on, that you speak to me. And as you're speaking to me, that I'm going to speak what you're speaking. I tell you, it really works. It helps you through some tough situations. Oftentimes, as we're carrying out our ministry of reconciliation, as we're desiring people to uh, come into relationship with Jesus Christ or to grow deeper, we get impatient. We want it to happen kind of right away. Um, Slowing down and allowing the Holy Spirit to be involved actually is for the good of the person because when it happens, it's a lasting thing. It's very permanent. So we slow up. The next thing that we need to do, practically speaking, is to build up. Be aware, as you're hanging out with people, be aware of the opportunities to add value to other people. We probably won't build up consistently or very well until we learn to slow up. Here's what I mean. If we will slow up, then as the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, the Holy Spirit will speak things of value to us about those other people. While we're in that conversation with them, the Holy Spirit will reveal something and you get to build it into that person. And it can happen in a couple of ways. You may hear the Holy Spirit just show you something of value about that person. And you just say, you know, one of the things I've seen about you is that uh, as a dad, you're one of the best dads. You have so much patience with your kids or whatever you might say. But there may be times where you know you need to have courage. You need to say, you know, while we were talking, I just sensed that God gave me something that he wanted me to share with you. And if you're okay with that, I'd like to share it. And then you share it. You bring the God in. Because what, it may open up the door for further conversation. So build up, build up, Um, lead up. We're going to talk about this more next week. It says be an excellent employee. We're going to talk about uh, living out our mission in the marketplace. But here's what I would say. The most effective way to lead up wherever you are is to lead with the heart of a servant. Wherever you are, whoever you're with, whether it be at work or wherever it is, have the mindset of a servant that is Christ's representative. And when you're with the people, you're there to serve them. And Jesus gave us a great model of this. We see it in Philippians chapter 2. It says that he did not see equality with God something to be grasped. We're not looking for the position. We're not looking for the power. But we're looking at how we can come along someone and serve them so that we can express Jesus to them. Uh, Next, stand up. Be active in doing good deeds. Um, Don't just talk the talk. I'm just, that's all I'm going to say. Don't just talk to talk. But if you're, going to, if you're going to talk it, walk it. Don't brag about what you should do or what you've done in the past, but do it now. Look for opportunities to build into people and look for opportunities to do good deeds. And finally, speak up. Be ready to share your faith. As you're hanging out with people, you have to be ready to share your faith. So you may very well have one of those conversations where someone says, there's something different about you. What is it? What are you going to do when they ask you that question? You need to be able to share your story, and you need to make sure that when you share your story, the people don't get caught lost in the details. Here's what I tell people. You should have your elevator version of your story. Imagine that you're getting on an elevator with someone, and you have between the first and the 25th floor to tell them your story. That's not a lot of time. Here's what I would say you should do. As you formulate your story, 
You simply say, this is who I was. This is who I've become through Jesus Christ. And this is what I continue to become. This is what he's doing in me. That's enough. If they have more questions, they can ask. But that opens the door for you not only to express Jesus, but to lead them and experience the life of Jesus as Lord and Savior. So let me ask you this one more time, but in a little bit of a different way. Who are you going to hang out with this week? What opportunities are you going to have this week? Who are you going to encounter? Would it be possible that as you begin to think about that, that you would go ahead and begin to invite the Holy Spirit to be involved in those situations, in those conversations that you know are coming, and that when you get to those conversations that you slow up and you listen to the Holy Spirit speaking to you, and that as that third person is involved in the conversation, then you begin to speak what He's speaking. And then what happens is the ministry of reconciliation begins to take place. We want to do something a little fun as you're leaving today. You may have noticed that there's a large map of the Lake Norman area out in the lobby. Um, We thought it would be fun and telling to see what influence are we having in the Lake Norman area? Where all are we hanging out? So we want you to show us when you leave today. And please take time to do this. It only takes a second. If you'll go up to that map and there's a basket beside it where there's a full of push pins. If you just take one of those and you would pin it, and there's probably going to be lots of pins because there's been two services already, and just pin it at least as close as you can to the area where you are typically hanging out. That might be your home. That might be your work. It might be downtown Charlotte, wherever it might be, because we want to have this picture of the influence that we're having as representatives of Jesus Christ. It's a great picture to have. So would you stand, please? I want to pray. I want to go ahead and invite the Holy Spirit into those conversations that we're having this week. Father, thank you. Thank you that you've uh, allowed us to participate in your redemptive plan for the world. Thank you that you've reconciled us and you've called us to be reconcilers. I pray that this week that the Holy Spirit would be involved in every situation, in every conversation that we have as we're just hanging out with people and as we represent you. I pray that we would represent you well, that we would express you well. And Father God, I pray that there would be great success in the kingdom this week because we just go out and we live life naturally, supernaturally, and we tell people about Jesus Christ through our lives. Give us success, I pray, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.